Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Better than this, guys. Being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts, Chris Schuber, floating around producing this thing. We're all from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, the number one spot for all your sports wagering information. Get in on the action tonight, Monday Night Football. Obviously, Week Four is coming up, but it's not just football. They've got it all: Major League Baseball, boxing, combat sports, esports, in-game betting. All available on Bet Online on a very simple to navigate website that you can check out on your desktop or your mobile device. Of course, we got a deal for you. Check it out. Sign up today. You get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BLEAV50. That's B L E A V 50. It's Bet Online and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy uh, National Pancake Day and Alpaca Day to you. Oh, Alpaca Day. I can get down with alpacas. And I made pancakes on. Saturday night for dinner. We did breakfast for dinner them. in my house. I made them. Yes, special recipe. You, what, what's your? No, it's the it's the box of like the protein pancakes, and you put oh. the egg and the three quarters cup of milk in it, and you whisk it all up, and then you put a cup of the powder in it. And but my kid wanted pancakes, daddy pancakes, daddy pancakes. <laughs> so we made pancakes for dinner, and we made it a thing. Brenner, you a fan of Brenner, Chris? You seem like a Brenner guy. Always a fan of Brenner. Brenner's a very good decision. Yeah. Took me a minute to realize Brenner referring to breakfast dinner. Really? Yeah. Wow. Never Have heard I, that one before. I introduced you to something. This is a first. Well, what do yes. you think? Why do you think it's called brunch? Well, yeah, no, I got it. And that's why I, I like picked up on it, but I just never heard the word Brenner before. So it was it, it was new to me. You know, it's, it's a things, new experience. The list of things that I've uh introduced Kyle to now introduce short. The, the phrase Brenner and how to sort a spreadsheet. That's it. That's that's the, all, all the things I've shown you in however many years this has been. You know what's you know what's screwed too is like you absolutely are not better at Google Sheets than I am, but you knew ah. how to put the filters on it. <laughs> you had to take it there. No, you got some good stuff that you do. That's but that's like why the mind melting thing. Like I I like put the formats in there and the codes <laughs> and all the for, the color coding. Right. And where it's automatic population of this and that. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, man, you could put the filter on it and <laughs> sort, sort it. I just rocked my world. So yeah. uh, that that's what made that feat of yours even more impressive to me, yeah. if we're being Thank honest. You. Wow. Appreciate that. All right. So Monday here on the podcast, uh, my dudes, Kyle's dudes, NFL word association. Um, that's the plan for today, right? I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. We're all dudes. That's, uh, what's that from? Nickelodeon, old Nickelodeon, whoa, whoa, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. All whoa, that? Whoa, whoa, No. Whoa. <laughs> this is a reference I have, so I'm going to take it from here. This <laughs> is from one of the classic movies of the 90s, early 2000s. 
Good Burger with Keenan right, and Kel right, 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 is what right. this oh. is from. You were close, and that's on why that. I was. That's why I thought it was all that originally because and, they, and Kel. Well, and remember, Good Burger was a skit on all that, so right. you, I could understand why you. Welcome would think, to Good mm-hmm. Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can mm-hmm. I take your order? Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. So we had Kyle doing the the Good Burger, and Joe is singing the theme to All Out. He's humming it. That was it. a hum. That was more of a yeah. hum. Okay. Yeah. Remember, remember, salute your shorts too. The guy with the sunscreen on his nose. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, did you, were you a big salute your shorts guy? Salute your shorts. Uh, let me. Or was that Hey Dude? It might be. Dude, wow. we're so old yeah. now. Like we we are <laughs> way out of I, out of the. I, the I hate to be that guy, but salute your shorts is first episode and final episode all aired before I was born. So you're kind of <laughs> out of my realm of sick. <laughs> you're kind of out of my. Who area wants to talk some football yeah, here today on the show? Suddenly I do. Joe's dudes. Joe's dudes. Here they are, Kyle. I got a four pack of dudes. Four for pack you of dudes from the weekend that was two college, two pros. And I'm going to introduce them to you, and then we can talk about them. My number one dude, and I am ranking the dudes. I'm just ranking my number one dude this week because I got a shout out. Kansas head coach Lance mm. Leipold has the Jayhawks at 4-0. and We can talk about that in just a moment. How about DJ? I got to get his name right. Hold on. Let me. <clears throat> DJ Uyunglele, Clemson quarterback, big time performance in a shootout. Who thought Clemson can win a shootout? They did. Jalen Hurts, quarterback, Philadelphia Eagles. We thought that this guy was going to hold back that team. Nope. Nope. He is a big part of why they're 3-0. and Now, how about Doug Peterson, head coach of the Jaguars? Nobody expected anything from that football team. He hasn't played good ball, offense, and defense right now. Those are my dudes, and I hope that everybody can sense a theme here. What I went with was guys kind of had something to prove, backs against the wall, expectations are low, come out and deliver. Those are my guys from this weekend. So, can we can we start with Jalen Hurts? Sure. I would love to start with Jalen Hurts for the sense that, like, the narrative in Philadelphia for the past two years has been, well, they're collecting a bunch of draft picks. Mm-hmm. They're interested in exploring other quarterbacks. They're kind of uh, hedging their bet, if you will. And obviously, we have a very small sample size for Philadelphia, but we've looked at the schedule. Mm-hmm. We know the talent that exists on Philadelphia's roster. I see very little reason to think that Jalen Hurts can't continue some semblance of this caliber of play the rest of the way for Philadelphia. So, like, what's your ceiling, not for Philadelphia as a team, but, like, what's your ceiling for Jalen Hurts from a performance standpoint and an accolades standpoint because i know jay i mean like from an mvp race standpoint you look at the first three weeks of the season yeah he's got a pretty darn good argument yeah he's right there he's he's in that conversation and and i think it's a good reminder that it is week three and there's a lot of football left and tests are going to come and and more tapes going to be out there and jalen hurts is going to be tested in new ways but i think at this point in the season he has been terrific, and he's gotten Devonta Smith going. He's gotten A.J. Brown going. He's gotten Dallas Goder going, right? Like he's done all that type of stuff. And so I think you can just accept it for what it is at this point. He's played great for three weeks. They're undefeated. And this team, like, you feel good about their opportunity to, like, really go do it because you're having more and more reason on a weekly basis to buy into Jalen Hurts being the quarterback that can get it done. So I think he's just inspiring a lot of confidence while simultaneously, I think it's fair to say, Hey, there's new challenges coming and how he meets those moments going to be really important. 
Can so, I talk? I, go ahead. Go no. Go ahead. Go ahead. These these are your dudes. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to rob I, you of a talking point. I here. want to talk about Lance Leipold. I want to give him a little time here because I I just am very impressed. Kansas is four zero. Kansas is four zero with wins at West Virginia, at Houston, and they beat Duke. And maybe you're not overly enamored with that resume of wins. Kansas hasn't won four games in a season since 2009. They've won five games combined over the last three seasons. Lance Leipold is a real one, and I question, I question his decision to go to Kansas because I saw what happened to Turner Gill. But this guy's a legit program builder. What he did at Wisconsin Whitewater, six national championships in eight years, got the UB, the Buffalo program going, and he goes to Kansas. They're 4-0 and right now. And I know that he said last week that he didn't go to Kansas to move. But my goodness, this guy's going to be a hot commodity here. If uh, I mean, he already should be. Four wins at Kansas is unprecedented in Joe, four can, weeks. Joe, can you give me those wins again? Give me those, those marquee victories for Kansas so oh. far in their f- Chris, West I know Virginia, you're not, not going to sit here and poo-poo Kansas being 4-0. No, no, no. There's a there's a bit here. Let me pull, let the bit play out first. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Joe, please. Bit away. Joe. At West Virginia, yeah. at Houston and Duke, and they beat, what do they beat? School of the Blind in week one. The AP voters are a bunch of cowards. I'm going to do it right here on the show. They're a bunch of cowards for not getting Kansas in the top 25 this week. This team's 4-0. Mm. They beat those three. They're not, they're not playing a bunch of just bad schools. They beat an ACC school that was undefeated. They beat a West Virginia team that just beat Virginia Tech in Virginia Tech. And they played Houston. Those are, those are quality programs. They beat right. those teams. They're 4-0. And you know, they can't get in the top 25. Cowardice. What do they got next, Chris? Do you have their schedule? Iowa uh, State. Mm. Iowa State, TCU, Oklahoma. Well, that's, we're going to find out. We're going to learn. We we're going to get an answer very quickly. If they go one and two, though, if they if they're five and two coming out of that, Kansas goes bowling. That that in itself bro, is right. We have to have the contact. Look at what Jeff Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech got fired today because he went to a place that's hard to win and tried to turn it into this pro style thing. Couldn't make it happen. I want I want to follow up on Jeff Collins, but real quick, uh, Kansas fourth in the country in scoring offense, forty eight point five points per game. Can you name a player on their team? Like I uh, legitimately that, can't. That uh, quarterback, uh, Jalen Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Jalen Daniels, the He's quarterback. Good. Okay. There you go. That's the extent of my knowledge currently, and I I couldn't even speak intelligently enough on Jalen Daniels to kind of give you like the full breakdown on like pros and cons. I just know he's been very productive. I know he's draft eligible. He's not not necessarily a big kid at quarterback. Um, but can, to switch gears and, and talk about Jeff Collins. What does Georgia think? What what does Georgia Tech think of themselves as a program? <laughs> like like respectfully, yeah. In the ACC, yeah. yeah. You're Georgia Tech. What is your expectation for yourselves? And maybe there's other things going on with the program that that kind of exacerbated their decision to make this move. But if you made this decision because Jeff Collins went one and three after what three straight three win seasons or whatever yeah. it was like if if that's the decision if that was the fuel for your decision i hate to be the bearer of bad news but like gang you're georgia tech this this is this is who you are i hear you i really do but paul johnson had this program in a better place like they were a bowl team they went they, they he was there one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven eleven years and they were a bowl team nine of those times. They played for an ACC championship. 
I know that they weren't a powerhouse. They probably won seven or eight games. Like they won ten games once, and won nine games once. They won eleven games once, but that team played a lot better. And before that was Chan Gailey, and Chan Gailey was decent there. And so, I think it's a hard place to win. But as you see what Coach Cutcliffe was able to do at Duke, as you see um, what Coach Clawson is getting done at Wake, if I'm Georgia Tech, I want that. I just want that. So who's your hire? What's interesting to me about this is. I wonder how much they have to be willing to embrace doing something schematically different because we talk about football being Jimmy's and Joe's. Well, buddy, ain't going to happen at Georgia Tech, right? You're not going to have the Jimmy's or the Joe's to compete. Right. So Any, you have anybody to do something good that's in your backyard in Atlanta is going to Georgia. Georgia, right. Or they're going to Clemson, which is not that far away. They're going to Tennessee. You have to come up with something scheme-wise. And, and look at Wake, the deep mesh offense. Look at Stanford. They's, they've adopted this deep mesh offense. You look at the service academies. They don't have the Jimmies and Joes. They run an option offense. They have to come up with something schematically to 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 be able to compete. And, and Coach Collins went in there and said, I want to run a pro-style offense. Awesome. Loved it. You don't have the guys, right? That's a tough transition. I got a name for you. And this program's not necessarily super red hot right now. What do you think of Ken <laughs> Niamatololo? Yes, that's exactly the type of coach. Let's make a change. Let's bring him to Georgia Tech. <laughs> He's at Navy, he had, right? He is at Navy. He'd is be he really interesting. Would he He'd leave be really that job, though? He's been, there, he's been there since 07. Doesn't feel like an upgrade he's been there a minute. for him. New challenge, go to the ACC. Nobody will want to play him, I promise you that. Nobody wanted to play Georgia Tech when Paul Johnson was there. Let's find some 6'4 mutant to play receiver to throw up some YOLO balls to run the option. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe that might that might be my guy. Well. Um your other dudes, real quick. I know we gotta yeah. we gotta segue, D- but your your other dudes. Yeah, D- DJ Wiangalele, don't want to spend too much time here, but I mean for for how bad that Clemson offense has been over the last year and a quarter. For him to go five touchdown passes, 371 yards. Uh, love what he did down the field. Eight completions of 20 yards or more. Four touchdown passes that had 20 or more air yards. For them to win a shootout, a game I didn't think they'd be able to, to do on the road at Wake, I give him a lot of credit for being able to bounce back. And then Doug Peterson, like I said, with this Jaguars team, man, like nobody expected anything. They're playing efficient football on offense. James Robinson is cooking right now. Trevor Lawrence is playing good ball. They're getting good – Production out of their young talent on defense. Devin Lloyd looks like he's a favorite for defensive rookie of the year right now. I'm just really impressed with what Dougie P's been able to go get done here in Jacksonville and 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 really very quickly say, oh, okay, all right, Jacksonville's not an easy easy dub at this point. They're going to come and they're going to play good ball, and you're going to have to play good ball to beat them. We'll, we'll see what it looks like for Jacksonville here in just a minute because they're at Philadelphia this week. To, to marry two of your dudes on the same mm. field. The, the Doug Peterson revenge game with the Jags coming to Philly. Is that a 1 o'clock Sunday game? It is a 1 o'clock Sunday Damn game. Damn it. All right. Uh, then we have home against Houston. So you like their odds in that one. Yeah. Uh, at Indianapolis. Uh, for the They've already blanked the Colts and punched the Colts, frankly, square in the mouth. They're going to be done with the Colts quick this year, huh? Yeah, they'll be done, done with the Colts <laughs> by um, uh, two weeks before uh, Halloween. And then they are home against the Giants, home against the Broncos, and home against the winless Raiders. Mm, I see some dubs, Kyle. I see some dubs. 
I see some yeah, this, dubs. You know what this else is, is very, a, gonna be very interesting. You know what else is a dub? Uh, having a Sonos Ray in your house. Oh yeah, yeah. Flat shouldn't describe your TV screen, not your TV not sound. Your TV sound. You can experience your entertainment like never before with the new Sonos Ray. This compact and easy to use soundbar puts you at the center of shows, movies, games, and more with crisp highs and precisely balanced bass. You can breeze through setup with the help of the Sonos app. You can even use your own remote for control. And when the TV is off, you can stream music, radio, podcasts, and audiobooks from all your favorite services. Visit Sonos.com to shop for the Ray now. You want to hear about some of my dudes? I get, I also have a four-pack of dudes. Four-pack of dudes. It's like those, uh, it's like a new thing, right? Seen this? The little four-packs? All right. Just read your the dudes, cans. Just, just give me. Yeah, just, I'm just going to read my yeah, dudes. Thanks. I'm just going to read my dudes. That That is a, a reference Joe is not going to introduce uh, me to listen. today. No, that's a thing with the plastic tops. I'll, All right, I'll take ahead. your word for it. Yeah. I have four dudes. I also have two NFL and two college football dudes to honor today. Uh, the first being Michigan running back Blake Corum in a narrow victory over the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, the second is rookie tight end Jelani Woods from the Indianapolis Colts. Two touchdowns, including the game winner for the Colts against the Kansas City Chiefs of all teams. Um, Joe, I also kept one of my dudes in that shootout between Wake and Clemson. Quarterback Sam Hartman of Wake Forest. And my fourth dude is Miami Dolphins defensive end Melvin Ingram, uh, who was one of two players who just played superhuman performances for the Dolphins uh, in their narrow victory over the Bills in week three. Those are my dudes, and I'm happy to take this wherever you guys want to go. I have to admit I'm late on Blake Corm. I'm late. I, I haven't. He wasn't in my TD 100 ballot. I know he had like what, 200 and something yards against – Maryland, I know you were excited for that game. I didn't watch that game. Tell me about Blake Corum, man. What do I need to know? So, first of all, why do you hate the Terps? I don't hate the Terps. I just watched Clemson and Wake instead. (laughs) Uh, Blake Corum was the 2019 uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Maryland. Uh, And he, thus far this season, has... Scored a lot of touchdowns. He scored five rushing touchdowns on twelve five on twelve carries against UConn last week. No, that's UConn. I get it. Um, Thirty carries for two hundred and forty three yards and two touchdowns in the win over Mich or over Maryland. So Corum's kind of a tough study because he has generally been splitting time in Michigan backfields for a very long time, and um, he is condensed he's built low to the ground he's physical he's probably a four six type back as far as his speed but all the other components that you want in a running back quorum brings to the table and and that includes he's had a couple performances uh, of quality effort catching the football out of the backfield Uh, you saw that last year in a stretch of of games where he caught uh, nine passes in two games combined against Nebraska and Northwestern. Those were, were two of his hallmark games uh, last season in the Big Ten schedule. He came out guns blazing last year, Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, uh, the non-conference schedule. He had 400 yards rushing in those three games and seven, eight touchdowns combined. 
Well, you know, he was a little bit slower getting started as Michigan has kind of worked to get a feel for who they are offensively. And when the going got tough, they said, we need to give the ball to Blake Corum. And uh, he delivered big time against Maryland and just punished you down after down after down after down. And they're going to need that because, you know, the, the passing offense is still not in a place where you feel super good about it. Um, but they are a volume rushing offense. They average 39 rushes per game. And Corum, now that he has seemingly separated himself, at least in this contest, um, and shown that he can be the guy, I think he has a lot to, to prove by being the bell cow featured player for Michigan. So, All right. So sounds like um, this is a key for Michigan. If they're going to challenge Ohio State this year and Penn State, this is their guy, right? This is the guy they got to lean on to get that done. Uh, just as a case in point, obviously, he shared the backfield last year with Hassan Haskins. Mm -hmm. uh, Haskins had 270 carries to Corum's 144. Uh, Corum averaged 1.7 yards more per attempt than Haskins did. Mm. And he's the same kind of runner, just not as big of a player. Instead of 6'1", 220, he's 5'8", 200, 205. Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback, spoke to you in an L. A lot of production. What'd you like? Well, you know, just as much as anything else for me, it was the fact that we weren't sure when we were going to see Sam Hartman play. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, obviously, he's been back for a couple of games. He played against Vanderbilt and Liberty and big wins and put up some good numbers in those contests. But oh, to go toe to toe with the Clemson defense to the tune of 337 yards and six touchdowns in the manner in which he did in a game in which, like, let's be honest, you know, Clemson got up on top of them early. They were up 17 to seven at one point. Yeah. And then Wake kind of catches fire. And so much of that comes from Hartman. Um, and, and really was, was vibing with Donovan green in this contest. Um, I was just impressed by Sam Hartman being a player who had a scary medical issue that prevented him from playing at the start of the year. He comes back. You're never going to get a bigger test on your ACC schedule than playing the Clemson defense. The game script got away from them. Uh, pretty quickly, halfway through the second quarter, they were down 10 points. That's not an enviable place to be with all of the talent that the Clemson defense has. And Wake came out and scored 45 points. It was, it was in position to win this football game at the end. So um, I, I don't necessarily know what the the pro prospects ceiling is for Sam Hartman. You know, I need to continue to dig deeper there. But at the very least, this is a super gutsy performance for a guy who uh, is a great story, and you can't help but root for because of the adversity that he's been through. I remember when this game got up to 14 to nothing, and so it goes Wake punt, Clemson touchdown, Wake punt, Clemson touchdown. I, I put it actually in the TDN Discord. I said, Wake, Wake's not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. And they didn't, but, man, they had a lot of fight and took this thing to overtime. And I think, yeah, that is a credit to Sam Hartman. 20 to 29, man. Six touchdown passes. Very efficient. Over 300 yards. That's efficient mm -hmm. and, like, also productive, right? Like it's one thing to go 19 to 25 for 150 yards and two touchdowns. You guys go 20 to 29 with six touchdowns over 300 yards against a good Clemson defense. Well, he the carved same. up a, 
he carved up a young, inexperienced, undisciplined secondary for Clemson. They were without a couple of guys. They were playing a couple of freshmen back there, and he was just carving them up. He was taking deep shots, and it was either getting completed or there was a penalty on the play. Like, it was just, give me the ball, let's go down the field, because there's something there, and, and he took advantage of, of a very good matchup for him. Yeah, Clemson, 10 penalties for 120 yards. It was brutal. It, every deep shot, there was there was a penalty marker getting thrown. Like watching Rasheed Rice against uh, TCU. Yeah, Chris, you're all in the Rasheed Rice. It, like if you had a, du- a college football dude, would Rasheed Rice be your dude? He, he would be my dude. There was, a, there was a stretch of eight passes that went Rasheed Rice's way. He either caught them or the reason why he didn't catch them is because a penalty <laughs> was committed against him. It, they could not stop him. He was the player on the field that you're like, hey, TCU, let's make sure we don't let Rasheed Rice beat us. And he beat them. And he looked very impressive. Had a bad drop in the, in in a key part of the game in the third quarter that I think kind of stifled uh, SMU's ability to come back in the in the football game. But uh, yeah, he was he was very impressive. And uh, there was a running back for TCU that was also very impressive for me, whose name is escaping me right now off the top of my head. Uh, Kendra Miller, I'm sure. Yes, Kendra Miller also impressed me very much in that game. And that was the game. Obviously, mid major Chris SMU was on, so that was the game that occupied one of the screens for me. But that so that game got a lot of attention for me while I was watching Clemson and Wake Forest. So those two players stood out uh, for me this week. Scott, your NFL guys, Melvin Ingram and Jelani Woods, obviously uh, did Woods had two touchdown receptions, right? Yes, he he had the first score of the game, and then he had the game winner with less than a minute left. Scored the game winning touchdown from Matt Ryan. So obviously that that's pretty cool because when, when Woods got drafted and he got drafted, what third round, mm-hmm. you kind of looked at the depth chart there and you said, Oh, well that that's a great long-term development spot for him. <laughs> well, we're in week three and we're scoring two touchdowns in the passing game. It's um, no, you obviously know that there's a receiving ceiling with Mo Ali Cox. We weren't quite sure what Kylan Granson uh, was going to, continue to develop into for them. But uh, in the midst of the absence of a second receiving threat for the Colts in the passing game, Jelani Woods getting early reps and making the most of it like this, I think is is not only huge for the Colts, but it's huge for Matt Ryan, right? And Matt Ryan being good is it also to the benefit of the Colts, but well, Matt Ryan's really struggled through the first couple weeks. And for him to to kind of get some chemistry going with anybody and for it to be a day two rookie who has the pathway and transition from playing quarterback in college to fullback to true tight end and now making an impact for the Colts in September and helping them knock off the Chiefs and kind of stave off the panic button for their mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. And that that's that to me was dude worthy, especially because, you know, you think about that matchup with, with the chiefs and and the chiefs do have good backers and they have good safety safety play. So um, that's no small thing for you to get that production in critical moments down in the red zone. And I'd say the Colts probably Colts winning this game was probably the most surprising result of the weekend from the NFL perspective, but we'll talk more. Yeah, well, I think so. We'll get to that in the next segment, but obviously Melvin Ingram, big game. Bills can't block him. Huge dub for the Dolphins, and, and Melvin Ingram's a big reason why. Yeah, so I know Melvin Ingram was a, a thorn for Buffalo last year, both times that he played them in, in week one with Pittsburgh, and then when they played teams. With, with Kansas City, right? <laughs> right. So yeah. um, you know, he had six pressures yesterday. He had two sacks. He probably could have had another two, but Josh Allen is a brick wall. <laughs> if you don't hit him with, with two or three bodies, you're probably not going to get him down. 
but but Miami came into this game with a, with a lot of narrative around the pass rush issues because they had not gotten home against Lamar Jackson or Mac Jones, and um, well, they they came out firing, and I thought this was a really good showcase of the vision of what we thought Melvin Ingram fitting within the structure of so many of the Dolphins cover one and cover zero pressure packages was going to look like. You saw that in this game with how much Melvin Ingram moved around and, and the Dolphins have been fairly selective in their usage of him. I mean, he played 31 and 32 snaps the first two games of the season. He played 56 and I know the bills played 90 offensive snaps. So it's still like he didn't play 80, 90% of the snaps, but Oh, 56 snaps and him being the terror that he was and on the last offensive play for Buffalo, you know, he comes up on the twist inside and hits Josh Allen and, and doesn't get him down, bangs off another body. Josh steps up in the pocket and dumps the ball off to Isaiah McKenzie and Melvin Ingram's 20 yards downfield running Isaiah McKenzie down and helps tackle him inbounds so that the clock runs out. Just it, like that play in itself was was a testament to Melvin Ingram's play as a football player on Sunday, but um, it, it's a really neat thing when you hear that a team is signing a player and then you do a deep dive on it. And this was the one I did like the 8,000 word thesis on back in May on like, here's how Melvin Ingram's going to fit here. And then you get a game like this, which was obviously a slugfest heavyweight fight. And you know, Ingram is used in all of those ways and, and finds ways to make impact to help a team secure a win. Uh, was just kind of cool for me, and you know, six pressures against any team is is huge. But when you're trying to knock off the best team in the NFL, it's critical. And, and Melvin Ingram, I certainly think, deserves a game ball. How cool is it if, if you're Josh Boyer, you get to pop on the tape and say, "Hey, guys, this is 33 year old Melvin Ingram. He can chase down the ball from 20 yards. Why can't you?" Right. You know, what I mean? like what a what a like just a great player to have, and I mean we've talked about Ingram a lot, like sort of like oddly a lot on this podcast <laughs> throughout the years. And, and it comes from, he's one of those guys that you can feel his presence, the way he plays, the way he competes, the, the motor it's second to none in the NFL. You know, we're watching Aaron Donald loaf, you know, between plays, not Melvin Ingram. He gets after it. And he's a, he's a good player to have with, especially when you think about some, and the Dolphins have a lot of good veterans on defense, but, the influence that he can have on so many young players in that room as well on, on a modest one-year deal was uh, one of the underrated signings uh, for Miami and, and what was a very big offseason for them. I think you go back to, to 2012 just to put a bow on this with Melvin. You go back to 2012 when he got drafted 18th overall, and you, you, you think about the pass rushers that have come through over the past 10 years, and I, I certainly don't think Melvin Ingram is going to be at or near – the top, probably the top 10 names that anybody thinks of when they think of really good or great pass rushers over the last 10 years. But like, he's a really unique talent and he's he, like, he's not for every defensive system. If you're just going to put him out there off the edge and say, Hey, go win off the edge. Like right. you're probably going to be underwhelmed by him, but the way he grew as a player in, in San Diego and, and LA with how they moved him around. And then obviously last year with both Kansas city and Pittsburgh and now in Miami, it's just like, He's a really cool case study on pass rushers and ways that you can find value for players, but you got to be willing to concede and get a little creative with what you do defensively. Motor matters. Motor matters. <laughs> Print the shirts. All right, Christopher. NFL Word Association time, gentlemen. I'm yes. Reckon. 
Week three of the NFL season has one more game, one more chapter to write before we turn the page to week four, but we will give our word association. Easy, easy. I, I had a hot take about the Giants, okay? I need them to win to at least keep up that end of the bargain. <laughs> is that is that the 3-0? and you, you don't want as much company, Correct. Kyle? Is, Correct. Okay, I was like, yeah, what yeah, do you yeah, got against the yeah. Giants here? No, he just doesn't want 3-0 and teams with him. All right. Um, okay, we will go through all the Sunday games. I give the game word, one word, and then we can discuss the game. We start with the Bears moving to 2-1. and one. They beat the Houston Texans 23-20. to 20. Khalil Herbert. Culture. Ooh, was... Is that a shot at the Texans? No, it's it's <laughs> these are two teams that have first year coaches, right? And I know Lovey yeah. was with the team last year, but you know, especially for Chicago, new GM, new head coach, young quarterback, you're trying to instill uh a positive culture. And I love the fact that Chicago is finding ways to kind of come out, be scrappy, and win football games, right? They're minus mm-hmm. five in point differential through three games. They're two and one. Um, and they, they've done it with 23 completions in three games from their passing game. Right. Which is wild, right? Like, right. It's insane. I, and I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing in the, the big picture for the direction of their going. No, it's, de- it's a million percent not sustainable. But if you're trying to get everybody on board, it's at least Huge. great to be able to come out and win a couple games early so that yes. the message that you were delivering is sinking in. And right. I think that's the thing for me. Everybody knows the Bears are undermanned this year. And this schedule is not going to get any prettier than a monsoon against Chicago or against San Francisco at home and then playing the Houston Texans. Their next four of their next five are on the road. Right? So they're going to be busy traveling a lot. Giants, Vikings, Patriots, Cowboys and the only home game in there is against the Commanders. So I know it's going to get tough for them. So to kind of have the dog fights that they've had and, and have opportunities to win games and find ways to do it in unorthodox ways, I just think is really good for, for Chicago's culture amidst their new regime. Yeah. And they still got to fill out their roster. They got work to do, but this, there's a lot of goodwill to winning games like this early in a coach's tenure. Right. The Titans beat the Raiders 24 to 22. The Raiders, the only 0 three team in the national football league. Trenches. In, specifically the interior, right? Is that your your that's word association? Your, your, your uh, word. No, but I was building off of that. You guys know I'm terrible <laughs> at this. So we went with a name for the first one, and it was two words, and then we don't have one for the second one. So Listen, no, two. Chris, don't give him a hard time about saying Khalil Herbert. You said you were going to give us grace to have a phrase if we had a phrase. I know that's So he fine, can say a name. It's just not trending in the right direction for me. That's that's really what I'm looking at here. I, I think it's such an, such an interesting dynamic with this Raiders offense that Mac Hollins goes out and has eight for My 158 guy. and a touchdown. I know, I mean, Devontae, five catches and a touchdown, but like the distribution of the ball in the passing game, hey. Waller kind of an afterthought. I know Renfro was out. Kind of a weird game for the Raiders on offense. Um, The only winless team in football, uh, and they have found ways to lose in heartbreaking fashion all three weeks. That That's not that's not true. The Texans are also looking for their first Excuse victory. I lose track on who? No, didn't they tie? 
They tied. Which right? one? You said winless. They don't have a win either. The only zero and three team in the NFL, Chris. Okay, that's not okay, Chris. phrasing. You said winless. Phrasing. No, there's no way. The listeners are on my side with this one. You said winless. The Texans don't have a win. I, there's no argument here. They 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 never lost against the Colts, though. Correct. They, they also didn't win against the oh, Colts. They okay, tied. Okay. 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 The only 0 and 3 team the only in the 0 and 3 NFL. team Thank in the NFL, that and they have lost in heartbreaking fashion in all three weeks. And Fire McDaniel's was trending again yesterday on social media. Yeah, well, wasn't great. That that's not a situation where you're supposed to come in and and stumble, right? Like they're supposed to win this year, well, right? Broncos you went out Chiefs and paid their next two games, so you paid crazy crazy price to go out and go get. Devonte Adams and you were a playoff team last year old. and you yeah. perceived to have upgraded a head coach from uh Basakia to to Josh McDaniels. Uh fun fact about the Raiders red zone offense situational football 46.2% conversion rate of trips to the red zone to touchdowns, 6 of 13, so under 50%. And defensively, they are conceding a touchdown on 80%, 8 of 10 trips for opposing teams into the red zone, they are conceding a touchdown. It's not great. The Bengals beat the Jets 27 to 12. Get right question mark. Yeah. Uh, my, mine is wake up. I, I think the Bengals woke up a little bit in this football game offensively. Um, a lot more efficiency from Joe Burrow. I mean, I, they didn't run the ball like I thought they would, but I didn't think they try though. They still tried yeah, to run the ball, they right? They tried 28 rushes for 69 yards. They tried. But I think it was good on Joe Burrow to to look a little bit more towards towards uh, Boyd and Higgins, getting them going a little bit more, and um, then obviously their pass rush showed up. Trey Hendrickson with a big game, so uh, this was a big awakening game for Cincy, and obviously a big one on Thursday night against Miami. Chris, I have a question for you in okay. regards to this contest. Please ask away. How much? Because I did not see this game. Um, sure. How much of a 27-12 victory for Cincinnati is anything that the Bengals did offensively, and how much of this is four turnovers by the Jets? Um, like, what what was the context of the turnovers, and how much did that aid in the outcome of the game? Sure, I, not particularly right. I, the, not enough to where the 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 thing that cost the, the the Jets the game is veterans making dumb plays in dumb moments, and the fact that Robert Sala has an inability to adjust to anything defensively. You and I spent and a little behind the scenes for the listeners of the show, we do film studies for the TD and Premium members on Fridays. You and I did a breakdown of the Bengals and Joe Burrow. You were advanced scouting the Bengals. I was watching the Bengals from a Jets perspective. And what did we talk about? Tampa 2. Put them in cover 2. It causes problems. It does all this thing. They ran one snap in cover 2 yesterday. One. The Jets defense did it once in the football game. Can't do that. You have to adjust and play to what causes chaos. Did they the play a bunch of did they play a bunch of cover 3 and one high they, one high safety? They, they actually, uh, what what was surprising to me is they actually blitzed more than four, which Salah never does. So the adjustment instead of let our guy, let the four guys up front get home was we're going to throw more at them. And so now you're playing man on the outside with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins, which was just not a recipe for success. So it was just a, it was a poor defensive game plan that never adjusted. So no, the, the p- poor penalties in bad spots and a poor defensive scheme is what I would say cost the Jets League football game. Thank you. The Colts beat the Chiefs 20-17. Surprised. 
can I steal your word? Surprise too. I you, said this you was can, the we can share the word. The I mean, we don't yeah. have to be like, and yeah. Chris, what's the next game? We're going to do this right now. It's Joe, the you're in the bills. Okay. So I would expect Joe's going to have one in the holster for that one. We, we're the word. Cause he's spent a lot of time thinking about that game. What's the game after that one? The Vikings and the lions. So Joe, just start thinking now creative juices, Vikings lions. I'm gonna let you go first on Vikings lines when we get oh, there. Oh wow! Okay, he's gonna. He's, he's gonna. How about I go first under. on the Bills Dolphins? No, see, well, no, you, go you're first. gonna do. You're gonna go first lines. on both. But right now we gotta oh. share. We're gonna share. Oh, surprised okay. with Chiefs let's put, and Colts. Let's put the training wheels on Joe because he sucks at <laughs> word association. That's exactly what we're doing. Yes. What? So, what's going? What's going on with the Colts offensively, though? Like, yeah, you won the football game, and credit to your defense, you limited Kansas City to 17 points, you won 20-17, you scored at the end of the game. The Colts the last two weeks against Jacksonville and Kansas City have 218 and 259 yards of offense. They're just a limited team, right? Like, they have a, a quarterback that can't move. Um, they don't have explosive options in the passing game. They don't have a left tackle. They don't have a right guard. Like, I just think they're a limited offense. Should we have seen this coming? Like, I, I guess that's the thing. Like, we we had a lot of great things to say about the Colts. Like, what's the what's the? Obviously, there's a lot of football left to be played, and you just beat the Chiefs, right? So that can be a nice springboard for you to potentially uh, right the ship a little bit. You're at Denver. You have Jacksonville again, and then at Tennessee. I'm gonna be honest; it's not a great looking stretch for you, based on the way you've played offensively early in the season. But should like, what's the lesson here, and what should we have taken away from it? They have a, a defense, right? Like, I mean, Gilmore made makes the big play to, like, win the game late. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe with a sack. Like, they can still play good defense. So they, they, just, they just have a certain script, right? Like, if you could play – if they can keep games close, run the football, be opportunistic on defense, like, that's their script. It's a tough script, but that's the way they have to win ballgames so, right so now. So their script is a script that does not offer them a lot of margin for error. No, I don't think it does at all. Uh, case in point, the Colts, for the first time this season, won the turnover battle 2-1 to one and won the football game. The Dolphins beat the Bills 21-19. to 19. Miscues. Um, <laughs> resilient would be my word. Now, Joe, I'll, I'll let you start. Go ahead. Well, I, I think... The, the Bills had every opportunity to win this game and, and win so decisively. Uh, you can look – it's one of the most lopsided box scores you'll ever take a look at, but when you don't finish drives and you don't take advantage of plays when they're there to be made, you earn a loss. And so the all the metrics don't matter except for points for and points against, and the Bills didn't do enough in that second half in particular to get a, a game, a win in a game that they mostly controlled. Um. And for Miami, defensively, to to play 90 snaps and, and limit the Bills to 17 points offensively and bow up on, on fourth down like they did there at the end of the football game is is a really resilient effort. I think if you played the game 100 times and the script played that way, Buffalo probably wins 90 or 95 of them, right? It's like it, overwhelmingly the script going that way in which Buffalo is up Seven to nothing. Buffalo's up fourteen to seven. Buffalo's up seventeen to fourteen. And like you, 
you, in the midst of all of that, you have the stress of playing against one of the best players on the planet, knowing at any moment, if we give the ball back and we don't score, this could be a two score game. And then things are really going to get off the rails for us. And I think that's why you saw, um, Miami kind of get away from what I thought one of their best advantages would be in this contest in the run game. And I thought you saw some early creases early in the game. And then they took one negative play where Von Miller blew up a play or they, they rolled this DeMar Hamlin down. They came and hit you with the extra safety jumping down. And the game script kind of just got to this point where you're down seven and you punt the ball back to Buffalo. And like, you don't feel good about that situation at all. And for the bills to run 50 plays in the second half and score three points, and have 220 yards offense and score three points is like credit to the Dolphins defense. But, you know, at the end of the day, like this is a growing opportunity for both teams to be able to transition and and learn lessons and, and get better. And I'm really fascinated to see what it looks like the next time these two teams play. I just I just hope that uh, the the bills provide uh, tents and cocoa and mittens for the the inclement <laughs> weather since that was something we that so many we'll took exception. Furnaces with. blowing on you to keep you warm on, on the sideline. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't me talking. Chris, about I don't know if you saw that, that, but there were a couple Bills fans that wanted to call OSHA and report the Dolphins for having unsafe working environment because the opposing sideline was in the sun for the entire game. Feels like a rational way to react to, to what happened. Right. Uh, the Vikings, they uh, they pull off a comeback in the fourth quarter. They beat the Lions 28 to 24. Yeah, the, the phrase, if I will, Christopher, is learn to win. Detroit's got to learn how to win ball games, And, you know, Dan Campbell can't sit there post-game. And, and, like, I understand that he made the wrong choice to kick that field goal. But you got to make a choice in the moment, man. You got to make that right choice in the moment. And so this is a game that Detroit had in. They had it. They had it. But they got to learn how to win football games. And I think that's part of being a young team. That's that's part of of growing up. But clearly this was a situation where we've learned that Detroit still has to prove that they can do that because this is a football game they should have won. Um, and my phrase would be 1 p.m. Kirk – Versus primetime Kirk. Uh, they the are thing, not huh? the same. They are very different human beings. And 1 p.m. Kirk struck for Minnesota, obviously throwing the touchdown pass in the final minute from 28 yards out to take the lead and win the football game and come back from 14 nothing down. It's whatever you, whatever the mental block is with primetime and Kirk, Like I would love to dig in and find out because – it is like the sun, apologies, Bills fans, the sun rose again today, rises in the east, and it sets in the west. And Kirk Cousins is going to play bad in primetime games, and he's he's magically a killer in one o'clock slate. So I have a very important question for the group. Are London games primetime? They're all alone. They're on their own island at 930 next week. They, they play next week? Against- they play in London against the Saints next week. It's a 6.30 a.m. start for us here on the West Coast. It's a 9.30 a.m. start on the East Coast. Is that primetime? Because it's primetime in London. Saints by 100. Just, I just don't, I just want to know. I want to know what how, how Saints we, by 100. We, we factor that in. You think so? Uh, it, I, you're the only game on TV. Right. That's, that's primetime Kirk, right? That's kind of how it works. Right. If you're so, the only show in town, I think it counts, even though it's not primetime hours. 
Uh, the Ravens, they beat the Patriots 37 to 26. Tough sledding. Offensively for New England. Oh, Mac, Mac Jones, all of the fears that we had about the environment that Mac Jones was being placed in, we are having realized before our very eyes. And uh, obviously, best wishes to, to Mac. He got hurt at the end of this game. It sounds like they are more concerned with uh, an ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain. Yes, Chris. So No, sorry. I made a face, and that completely threw you off, and I it apologize did. for that. It's, it poor, it's poor producing enemy. I'm just confused by the way we're talking about this injury. Like, the picture, it looked like it was his ankle, right? They said that they did x-rays on his ankle, and then I'm seeing stories like they're worried about, like, ligament damage, and I'm like... What are we, is it a sprain? Are we talking about actual, like, what are we doing here? It just feels like we're all over the place with so, what this injury actually So is. the high ankle sprain, the concern is when the foot twists, if your tibia and fibia twist, and that's your sprain, that can be ligament damage for that rotational joint because it's such a fine motor joint with so many different ranges of motion and stuff. So um, it, that all does fit together. But if there is like actual structural ligament damage, like that's not good news for Mac. Right, just uh, again, when you think ankle, I'm thinking like, oh, you know, he rolled his ankle or he's got a sprain right. or something like that. Yeah, and then, you're thinking and then low like, ankle, but high right, ankle then, is like mid-leg. Right, and so I'm like, okay, like now we got ligament damage. That doesn't sound good either. So I, I think we'll learn more here in the early part of the week about that. Uh, Joe, do you have a word here? Would you like me just to just Lamar? I, how impressive Lamar has he is, been? You know, the call. touchdowns, the yards. He is this offense, and they're scoring a lot of points. Another 100-yard game a game on the ground for him. Uh, in this, Ten in touchdown this passes already this year. He had 12 last year and. 12 games he's, he's got he's, also two on the ground too so 12 total touchdowns yeah. I, I think he has so far through three games so certainly playing like an mvp and playing like a guy who wants a contract the eagles they beat the commanders 24 to 8 in a game that this score isn't indicative of how uh far apart the eagles were from the commanders statement man domination a statement yeah domination. philly made a state 24 to 8 yeah i mean <laughs> what's funny is all of the Eagles' points came in the second quarter. All the Commanders' points came in the fourth quarter. Uh, but the the Eagles being what they are in the line of scrimmage, Jalen Hurts making big plays. They got a they got a they got something serious going here in Philly. They um they had a three hundred and thirty two yard passing yards advantage at one point in this game. If yeah. the the TV graphic was to be because believed I, that I saw going accounting viral. for sacks. Yeah, yeah, when you count for sacks, net yards. Yeah. yeah, net yards in the passing game. They had a 322-yard advantage at one point. Washington Panthers will beat. always have that week one win over uh, over Jacksonville. They can celebrate. How long? Here's the thing, man. The, the talent's been pretty good in Washington. What do you do here, right? Because, like, Ron Rivera is the most redeeming thing about your situation. You've had 13 front office executives leave, like, in the last year and a half. What? <laughs> How do you thread that needle between football performance and like just knowing that you need good character in your building? I think Ron's the right guy to get you through this storm, but I think you get to the end of the year and you you probably got to put a lot of stuff under the microscope, right? Whether tough that's fair to Ron man. or not, but right, it's tough. The Panthers beat the Saints twenty-two to fourteen. Brand opportunistic. You said brand. Brand. Okay. Chris Olave Hive is alive and well. <laughs> Nine for 147 yeah. Draft Network's Panini rated rookie of the week in week three in the NFC offensive side of things. So you know, props to Carolina, LaVisca Chenault, a couple big plays. You won the football game. 
good for you. You guys got off the schneid. Hopefully, that'll relieve the pressure a little bit. But like, that's all fine and dandy. Chris Olave. That's uh, that's all I care about. Chris Olave. I say opportunistic. 44-yard uh, fumble return by Marquise Haynes. The big, uh, was it like an 80-yard play by LaVisca Chenault? 67-yard play. Uh, Matt Rule told us he got to get LaVisca Chenault going. The offense would come alive. It did enough to, to beat New Orleans. The Jags beat the Chargers 38-10. Concerned. I gave Jack- Jacksonville all the, all the pub in the first segment, but like, this Charger situation's really, really concerning, man. Flat, flat and, would and, be my word. And the might. performance from the Chargers was absolutely Slater's flat. hurt. Bosa's and we hurt. don't want flat to describe your TV sound. We've already talked about that no, in the show. Just, right. Slater's hurt sound. and Bosa's hurt, and clearly Herbert's not 100. percent So probably the three most important players on your team being banged up in some capacity is not a good recipe for a team that's already one and two to start the year. So and I'm going to play the game where I look at what their schedule is coming up. Thank here, you, Chris. I, I was just going to do the same thing. All right, hold on. We might be able to fix this oh, a little bit. We're, we're at Houston we're and we're back. at Cleveland. We might, we might be able to fix this pretty quickly here. And then we get the Broncos, Seahawks, Falcons, 49ers. Oh, this is a good stretch for us here. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Up, I, don't, I don't think the, the Browns are not going to be an easy out for the Chargers unless they no. get everybody healthy in two weeks. Because what's the, what, what is the worst part of the Chargers defense? Interior. And what's the best part of what the Browns do offensively? Right. Run the ball. Pound Nick the rock Chubb's at you. So friggin' good, man. That is, and it's in Cleveland. So that's a West Coast team coming east for a one o'clock kick. Back-to-back road trips. I don't think that's an easy win. Now, I think they'll take care of business probably uh, at home on Monday night against the Broncos. And then you get the Seahawks, and then you get a bye, and then you go Falcons. So, like, they'll be. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll stabilize. But at the very least, I look at Cleveland and like I don't really like the writing on the wall for them in that matchup. Rams beat the Cardinals 20 to 12 death taxes and Sean McVay owns Cliff Kingsbury. That would be my phrase for you. Bounce back for me here. The Rams two wins in a row after their week one loss. Uh, Don't count them out. They're banged up, but they're finding a way and um, they've got themselves out of the hole very quickly. Uh, I, I guess mine would be uh, pleased and pleased in the sense that I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was somebody in the Arizona media who asked Cliff after the game about the play calling and trying to run uh, so many, so many of their receivers in in blocking. I don't know, Chris, did you hear this quote? I did not. I heard a lot of quotes from this game. This is not one that I heard. Somebody in the media asked Cliff, like if he had considered reassessing some of the play calling because they are asking their small wide receivers to block on the perimeter so much. And um, Cliff like, kind of asked a clarification question. They were like, yeah, not having a 5'8", 170-pound wide receiver try to block to set up your your other ball carriers. Like, have you considered not doing that? Yep. Not a good look for them. The Falcons beat the Seahawks 27-23. to Kyle Pitts got going a little bit in this one, boys. 87 yards. Young weapons. And I guess that goes on both sides of the ball because Metcalf, I know, had some volume. Drake London got volume, scored another touchdown. Kyle Pitts came alive. Thank goodness. Uh, Turns out, you know, if you want to win football games, maybe it's some consideration to fantasy football and getting your players the best ball might might help. Packers beat the Bucs 14-12. 
strange. This, these are two. Te- these were two teams coming in that I think are still trying to explore and find who they are, right? And the Bucks are banged up to no end. The Packers are searching for weapons in the passing game that are, are trustworthy and are going to establish chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. And to see Green Bay like score 14 in the first, what, 22 minutes of the game or whatever it was, and then hold on for dear life the way that they did. <laughs> and then the yeah. Bucks come up for the two-point conversion, and they're breaking the huddle with 11 seconds, and they got a shift and a motion, and Tom's trying to change the play at the line of scrimmage. And you take the delay of game, and now you got to run the two-point for like, Got to practice, Just a man. strange yeah. game for two teams that you are so frequently associating with, like the class of the NFC. Got to practice. Kenny Clark, stud, stud football stud. player. That's right. In a game that set football back seven decades, the Broncos oh. beat the 49ers on Sunday Night Football 11 to 10. Mad one line. <laughs> I couldn't finish the game. I fell asleep. I fell asleep, guys. You, it, it, you missed it, the glorious 11 to 10 final score. I, 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 I watched it, into the third quarter. I saw the last play I saw might have been the uh, Jimmy G safety, and I was, was done. It was so bad it was entertaining. Like it reached a point of like this is the worst thing I've seen all year, and it's entertaining that it's this bad. You had Tarico making fun that they were playing at Coors because the game was seven to five at one point. It was it was very bad. It was not great. A little bit of a mess, but uh, Chris, that last game. That is it. We are done. Word association for week three in the books. In the books. We snuck this thing in in timely fashion. We hope you guys enjoyed this check in after this past weekend's games. We'll be back again tomorrow with some more Draft Dudes programming for you. So plan accordingly. Hit subscribe. Kyle Krabs, Joe and Chris Schubert. Thanks to our friends over at Online for their continued support of the show. Make it a great Monday, and we will talk with you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.